Hello and welcome to Counterthought, a podcast dedicated to my counterthoughts about mainstream media, politics, and culture, and the impact on our nation. I am your host, Brian Fletter. You can follow this podcast on its Facebook page, Counterthought Podcast, on Instagram at counter underscore thought, and on Twitter at counter underscore podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of Counterthought. Unfortunately, we are down to the final week of our withdrawal from Afghanistan. And normally I release an episode every week or so, but this is such a big story, a big event in our American history that I I had to jump on this withdrawal from Afghanistan as quickly as I could. So this is being recorded late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning. Um, And everything I'm going to mention in this podcast is through the this point in time. So it's been now 10 days, uh, Monday, the, no, Monday, the, the 16th to today, August 25th. So I guess that's, uh, more like nine days, but that's how long it's been since this Afghanistan withdrawal debacle really hit the news. Remember it heightened over the weekend, um, August 13th, 14th and 15th. And then finally picked up in the news and all the other reporting and the press conferences and Biden coming back from his vacation at Camp David on Monday, August 16th. So we've had nine, ten full days of this, trying to get as many people out as possible, evacuating as many people out as possible. Uh, Don't use the term stranded, though, because that's a sensitive term um, in the White House for the White House press secretary, don't say stranded, even though even though that is how people who are in Afghanistan that are trying to get out Americans that are trying to get out Afghan citizens who have uh, SIVs, special immigrant visas for helping us uh, during the war as interpreters and informants. They use the term stranded, but don't say stranded because we're going to get you out. So we're being evacuated. Um, Again, to recap, the U.S. Embassy, its physical location in Kabul, is closed. Uh, It was stated today by John Kirby, the press secretary for the Pentagon, that there is no, or there are no, um, U.S. troops guarding that physical building. The U.S. Embassy is now located at the airport in Kabul. Can't even imagine how that looks. Is it just like little uh, desks set up somewhere in the corner acting as a U.S. embassy while the, uh, the airport is surrounded completely by the Taliban with within some odd yards of, of the actual airport itself. So it is functioning like its own embassy, right? An embassy is uh, sovereign land to who, whichever country is represented at the embassy. So the airport is now the United Nations or the NATO uh, embassy, so to speak, because it's not just the United States trying to get their people out. It's everyone around the world who has people there trying to get their citizens out. And it begs the question, like, are we doing enough to get our people out? Because everything I hear on the news reports, everything I see, everything I hear, everything I read is that the U.S.'s approach is we're locking down the airport. We have an agreement 
with the Taliban. That's right. An agreement with the Taliban. We we uh, negotiate with terrorists now, I guess. But we have an agreement with the Taliban that they cannot come into the airport. So the airport is like our safe haven. But then you hear reports of British armed forces, French armed forces going out and rescuing their citizens from their homes or other uh, undisclosed locations in Afghanistan, being proactive instead of, I guess you could say, reactive. I guess that'd be the best way to sum it up, right? Proactive going out and getting them instead of reactive. The United States approach, and it's been reiterated numerous times in various press conferences, because you have the White House doing press conferences, you have the Pentagon doing press conferences, you have the State Department doing press conferences, once or twice a day for each of those. And we are telling our citizens to come to the airport, which, duh, you have to do that to get on the plane, right? But we are not telling our citizens that, hey, we're going to come get you, tell us where you are. We're saying, hey, come to the airport with your paperwork. The Taliban has assured us they're going to let you through. And you come to us, we won't go to you. I don't agree with that approach. We should be going out and getting our people. We should be, if we're going to strike a deal with the Taliban, we should be striking a deal to where we are able to go out and get our citizens. We need to go find them or go to where they tell us they are and extract them. Instead, we are asking citizens, fearing for their lives, counting on the goodwill of the Taliban that the Taliban has assured us that they will provide and that therefore we are assuring our citizens the Taliban will provide. We are asking our citizens to traverse streets and countryside of Afghanistan to get to the airport. Yes, it would be a huge and even larger lift, I guess, to deploy troops and however, um, whatever approach we would want to do that as if it's covert operations or just you know, hey, we're going to land a chopper here. Everyone in this area, come meet us, and we'll bring you back. I don't know. But going and getting them and providing protection instead of asking our citizens to walk or drive to the airport and go through these various checkpoints. And what's going on with these checkpoints? Well, there are reports that the Taliban, and they're not all trained properly, I guess, or, you know, they... They don't have as much control as maybe the leaders of the Taliban are displaying right now. So you hear these reports of Taliban members at these checkpoints along the roads taking the papers of Afghans and U.S. citizens and maybe citizens of other countries, but for sure Afghans and U.S. citizens taking like the special immigrant visas, the SIVs, getting rid of them, getting rid of the passports, if not that physically beating, so assaulting these individuals, if not assaulting or in addition to assaulting, robbing them so that they arrive uh, penniless at the airport, which I don't, I do not agree with this approach. We're telling our citizens to trust the Taliban, a terrorist organization, which is ridiculous to begin with. And we're asking them to do all of the work to get to the airport instead of us doing all of the work to bring them to the airport.
But a lot of stuff has gone on over the past nine to 10 days. Um, my last episode was released on Sunday and this is being recorded, like I said, Wednesday night. So it's been three full days since then. Uh, I guess really four because I didn't have anything included on from Sunday news when, when my last episode was released. But a lot of stuff has gone on. Um, what we did not have going back into last week is we did not have um, some vital information coming from the State Department or the Pentagon or the White House for all of last week and even into through Tuesday night of this week, it was not known how many Americans were in Afghanistan. We didn't even know. How do we, how do we not know? Now, it's said that the State Department says that whenever you travel, it's basically up to you, the U.S. citizen, to notify the State Department where you're going to be. And then when you leave that country, it is up to you to notify the State Department that you're no longer there. I guess American citizens don't always do that, don't always follow the the guidelines or the suggested recommendations. So it took over a week for the State Department to be able to give us a number of how many American citizens are in Afghanistan. That seems important, doesn't it? I mean, if you're trying to get everybody out and assuring the country and assuring those individuals that you're going to get everybody out like Biden did last week, you need to know how many people you have to get out, right? But I think there's something a little more to that. Um, I think the reason why they didn't provide that information last week wasn't because they, they didn't know. I mean, there's enough people working in the State Department to, and other various agencies to cross-reference lists and determine who's where and when a passport was scanned and so on and so forth. But I think it's because they were, they as in the administration, Biden, the Biden administration was worried about putting a number out there and then being held to evacuating that number of people when it seems at the time and even still, I would say, up in the air that they're actually going to be able to get everyone out. I guess they didn't want to say within with 10 days to go in the in the deadline going back to you know last this past weekend they didn't want to say oh there's 4500 or 6000 Americans we're going to get everyone out because then the questions each and every single day multiple times per day from the press corps would be how many of those 6000 Americans have you gotten out? How many of those 6000 Americans have you gotten out? Are you going to be able to get the remainder of them out? And then trying to provide and assure the the press and the American people that they are going to be able to. But today, they did announce the count of Americans, the State Department did. Uh, the Secretary of State, Blinken, said that there are 4,500 Americans in Afghanistan. Actually, sorry. 4,500 Americans have been evacuated. They estimate about 1,500 Americans remain but only 500 of those 1,500 Americans want to be evacuated. The remaining 1,000 want to stay in Afghanistan. I guess there's various reasons for that. Dual citizenship, they have family there, they don't want to leave relatives behind. They think they can survive or they will wait until the Taliban takes over and after the August 31st deadline and find commercial ways to get out of the country. That waits to be seen, but... The estimate is there are 4,500 Americans that have been evacuated. 
and there are roughly 1,500 Americans that remain. But some additional information that was shared today, statistics of evacuation, is that there have been 88,000 civilians, and this includes multiple countries, but 88,000 civilians have been evacuated, and 58,000 of those 88,000 were evacuated by the U.S. military, our planes, and so on and so forth. The Pentagon provided an update at the rate in which these planes are coming in and taking off. It's leaving the airport every 37 to 45 minutes. Moving at the other day, 24-hour time period, was 21,000 people, which is impressive. I mean, don't get me wrong, that is very impressive. But it didn't have to be this way. And I'll, I'll touch on that here in a, in a few minutes. But of those um, 88,000 civilians... 40 to 45% of them are women and children. And of those 88,000 civilians, why are only 4,500 of them Americans? And of the 58,000 that the U.S. military has helped move, again, why are only 4,500 of them Americans? Are we waiting on the Americans to arrive? The other 1,500? Or are they at the airport waiting to get boarded onto a plane? Because if they're waiting to get boarded onto the plane, why aren't they prioritized first? Especially our aircraft. But if we're waiting on them to get to the airport, why are we not being proactive in going and getting them? The longer we wait to have our own citizens show up at the airport and put them at risk of being intercepted by the Taliban on the way to the airport, the more likely it becomes that they won't make it. And then what are we going to have to do? The Taliban already said this week, I think on Monday, that they are not going to extend the August 31st deadline. And one could argue that the August 31st deadline that's been talked about so much by the Biden administration isn't even really August 31st. John Kirby, the Pentagon press secretary today, clarified that the August 31st deadline is not August 31st or September 1st at midnight. So it's not running up through August 31st, 11.59 p.m. local time. The August 31st deadline is August 31st midnight, which would be August 30th, 11.59 p.m. local time. I assumed it was through August 31st. So when John Kirby clarified that today, that caught me off guard and it felt like we had just lost a day out of our timeline. And then more questions were asked and more questions were answered regarding when is the final date that civilians are going to be to be evacuated because there needs to be time for the military troops, which right now the active count is around 56 to 5,800. They have to be moved. And the response to that is that there will be a mixture of troops and civilians during those final days. But you have various experts that aren't in the administration, but, you know, worked in previous administrations or, you know, former generals, formal, former um, military personnel that say really to get that many troops out and also the equipment, it's probably going to take the final two to three days to do it. 
which would be August 28th. And like I said, this is being recorded on August 25th, going into the August 26th. So we just have three days to get this done. Two to three days to move out the rest of the American civilians and the Afghan SIVs and the vulnerable Afghan people. I mean, I, I'll be shocked if it gets done, but I know if it does not get finished and if Americans are left behind that wanted to get out, because that seems to be a, a detail that the administration likes to um, hammer home. It has to be Americans that want to leave. But if one American is left behind, how are we going to go back and get them? How are we going to go back and get them? Are we going to send troops? Are we going to send troops in on a helicopter, paratrooper go down, you know, rescue? How are we going to do this? Are we going to pay for them to come home or the, is the citizen going to have to pay our State Department to be able to get on a commercial flight home to the United States? How exactly are we going to accomplish that? Now, we are in, uh, it is 24-7 effort, 24-7 effort. I mentioned that the 24-hour, the number of people that were moved in 24 hours was around 21,000 people, which is impressive, but it does not have to be this way. The Biden administration and Joe Biden himself, and this is going to come out in hearings, congressional hearings after this, and it needs to be looked at. I mean, this is terrible. What did Joe Biden know back in April, May, June, July? What did he know and what decision did he make? Was he truly told by his um, joint chiefs and intelligence agencies that the likelihood the Taliban was going to take over this quickly? was likely, not possible, but probable? Did he ignore that advice and just go totally the wrong way and say, yeah, I don't believe that one bit. We're going to do it this way. And regardless of that, once you set the August 31st deadline, why have you not been spending the last three to four months evacuating people? It's like the administration was caught flat-footed. Did they not start evacuating people when this timeline was set back in April? Did they not start evacuating our civil, our um, citizens and the Afghans who have the SIVs and those that are vulnerable? Did they not start moving them because they, we, the administration felt that the speed at which the Taliban would take over the country wasn't going to happen for months? We thought we had time. But that doesn't make any sense, right? Because you still have the August 31st deadline. So what happened? Did we think, did the administration think that they were going to be able to move the 31st deadline? And if they did, how come we can't now? Are we really at the mercy of the Taliban that much? Where's the military might that we would flex on the Taliban to get them to ease up on that deadline and extend it? What happened to that? What happened to the good old threat of, if you don't play by these rules, we will annihilate you. Just like we did in 2001, 2002. Just like we did to ISIS back in uh, 2017, 2018. Why are we negotiating with a terrorist organization? Ever since 9-11, our mantra has been, we do not negotiate with terrorists. But here we are. We are literally at the mercy of the Taliban, the goodwill of the Taliban. But it did not have to be this way. There were months, April, May, June, July, to get these people out. And we didn't do anything. We didn't do anything. There was no 
concerted effort to get our American citizens, the Afghans, out of the country. It's like we fell asleep at the wheel. It's like we, we had a sticky note on the desk, the administration, you know, the Pentagon, the Secretary of State, the State Department, the White House. It's like, yeah, I'll put this sticky note on my desk here, August 31st deadline, and then you you look over at your desk after some papers got piled up and like, oh, look, look at this. Oh, this this sticky note has just 831 written on it. Oh, what? Shoot, what did this have to do with 831? Um, oh, crap. We need to get everybody out of Afghanistan by 831. Well, shoot, let's get on that. And what do they do? What did the administration do? Hey, let's get our military out first. Yeah, that'd be great. Let's get all the protection that we have for our, for our citizens to leave first. That way our civilians can just get to the airport all, all fine and dandy. Oh, wait. You mean a terrorist organization advanced and took over the country because there was no military, credible military threat to them? Dang it. Shoot. We did that wrong. Like I said in the last podcast, we locked the door, got in the car and left and then realized halfway there, oh man, we don't, we didn't bring any of our stuff. We didn't bring our people. I mean, what is going on? This is inexcusable. I mean, you have Republicans, Democrats, both sides of the media just finally asking good questions, right? Finally holding the administration accountable, trying to find out the truth. And I hope some truth is found, not only by the press, but also also in these hearings that are going to come after August 31st. Some people are saying that what Biden did, especially if he ignored the advice of his advisors and the intelligence agencies and the military and ignored a probable threat or likelihood of the Taliban takeover and left our Americans there like this, even if we're able to pull this off and get everybody out, which I hope we are, but that this alone would be a dereliction of duty and result in high crimes and misdemeanors and Biden should be impeached. I don't think he'll be impeached because he has the House and the Senate. But it's worth talking about. I mean, imagine if not everyone gets out. Imagine if not everyone gets out. And imagine video from someone in the Taliban, maybe a day, maybe a week, maybe they'll wait a couple months of an American dying. But because we don't have a presence there, we're going to rely on the Taliban notifying us, right? Unless, you know, just friends of someone or family of someone who doesn't get out and left behind and then ends up being killed and notifying a news organization in the State Department. That's the only other way. Afghanistan's going to go dark for the most part because our intelligence is severely going to suffer with no troops on the ground and no informants still there. Yeah, we have satellites and, and stuff, but nothing like having troops on the ground. So are we really going to know what the Taliban does? And is that part of the Biden plan? Is that why they were so hesitant of putting a number to account for the Americans? Because if any are left behind, they know that we won't have a clear view into Afghanistan to know what exactly is happening to them? I mean, I hope not, but I've heard people talk about that. I mean, I don't, I don't want to believe that could have crossed anyone's mind in the administration, but a question's worth asking. And I believe I mentioned it already, but on Monday, the CIA director met with the top leader of the Taliban, 
what was said during that conversation? Does anybody know? I haven't seen an answer. But why did the CIA director travel all the way to believe they met in, in Qatar? That's kind of like a a neutral spot for uh, leaders of the Taliban and in the United States to meet. But what was said during that? Was the CIA director going there to show this leader, like, hey, this is what we have on you guys, and don't get any ideas that you think you can get away with whatever? Because we'll know. I mean, I hope that's what he did. I hope the CIA director went over there and proved to the Taliban that we can just as capable to strike against them if they strike against us and our citizens. And I hope it wasn't a trip over there where we are just another agency involved in this withdrawal, another agency pleading for the Taliban to give us their goodwill and their good graces to help us get our people out. But what was said? Reports are that one of the reasons why the Taliban is agreeing to acquiesce and allow our citizens to get through to the airport is because we're paying them millions, billions of dollars. And it's not because they want the Taliban wants to be seen as legitimate on the world stage. But it may be partially that, but mainly because we're paying them. And can we talk for a second about what we've left behind there? Not people, not just the people, but our military arsenal. I mean, it's outrageous the counts of artillery that we left there. Tanks, Black Hawk helicopters, missiles, other weaponry, thousands of guns. And now if we ever had to go back into Afghanistan, let's say to rescue some of our our citizens or Afghans with SIVs, we're going to be going up against not old and outdated, mediocre artillery from the Taliban. No, no. We'll be going against our own, our own weapons. And we know better than anyone how capable that is, how capable our weapons are. I mean, anyone with logic could figure out that this withdrawal, troops going first, is backwards. Makes no common sense. Everything that should have happened didn't happen. And I want to know why that is. Who made that call? Did Biden make that call? Or someone advising Biden make that call? Who's really in charge? Who is responsible? Because yes, I pray everyone gets out. And I can see it happening now that if everyone gets out, obviously the administration is going to spin that as a great victory and try to turn this, this disaster into something positive. And maybe even the media will go along with it. I hope they don't. I hope they continue to ask questions and they don't just turn this into a two-week news cycle. I hope the media asks questions and wants to know how we ever got to this place and not just take the lip service that's given to us by the State Department, the Pentagon, and the White House but really press, really investigate, do what journalism and journalists are supposed to do. And then, and then just before I got on to record this episode, I saw that around 8 PM, I believe Eastern time here in the United States, that the U S embassy, which again is at the Kabul airport, because we left the physical building 10 days ago, The U.S. Embassy issued a security threat statement to all U.S. citizens, issued a warning to leave the airport, which is where they're supposed to be going, 
have to now leave the airport because of a security threat. And what's the threat? Quote, because of security threats outside the gates of the Kabul airport, we are advising U.S. citizens to avoid traveling to the airport and to avoid airport, airport gates at this time unless you receive individual instructions from a U.S. government representative to do so. U.S. citizens who are the Abbey Gate, who are, who are at the Abbey Gate, East Gate, or North Gate now should leave immediately. Where? Are they just going to walk the streets of Kabul? Are they going to just walk through the ring of the Taliban and go find someone's home and just sit there? Where are they going to go? We've already shown our military isn't going to pass the perimeter of the Taliban to guard these individuals, so where are they going to go? Now, the threat that's been talked about is ISIS-K, which the name just cracks me up, but it's a ISIS from a certain province that begins with the letter K. I'm not going to try to pronounce it because I'll, I'll do it poorly. But ISIS-K and the Taliban do not like each other. And there have been threats that ISIS-K may try to start something at the airport, which would endanger our citizens and the Afghans that we're trying to help. So where are U.S. citizens supposed to go with this security threat? Like I said, are they just supposed to walk the streets of, of Kabul? Kabul? If they do and they get outside the perimeter of the Taliban, who's going to protect them? Couldn't ISIS-K just use this as a security threat to lure the Americans out to then capture them? Our military isn't going to move, at least not the military on the ground that's occupied with getting flights in and out every 45 minutes. So what are we doing here? Where are the details? I know you can't share everything when it comes to like attack plans and so on and so forth because that's classified information. And if our enemies knew that, it would result in mass casualty. But from the videos I've seen of people in Afghanistan that are trying to come back to the United States, they are scared for their lives. And I would be too. I mean, you're, you're trying to get out by emailing the State Department, getting a text message from the State Department. That's it? Hey, 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 uh, um, State Department, United States State Department, um, I'm over here in Afghanistan, I'm worried for my life, I'm just going to send you an email, um, can you please get back to me, let's say, I don't know, within the next eh, 24 hours, that'd be great. To the understaffed State Department, Jen Psaki said today that the State Department has had to use dedicated phone banks or um, basically call centers and rebadge them, dedicate them to this crisis, this disaster, to be able to try to process everything. How comfortable would you feel if you, your life is in danger and you're at the mercy of the Taliban and their goodwill? And the only thing you can do is put in a phone call or an email to the State Department and then wait for them to get back to you. I wouldn't feel too secure. No, no, no. I would not feel secure. But what are your what are your alternatives? Walk out of where you are hunkered down and, and hope that you don't run into someone in the Taliban that doesn't want to abide by the rules and wants to beat you or take your paper so you can't get to the United to the airport to where you can't be processed by the embassy and get on a flight home. 
where you'll be stranded. So how is this all going to end? I see this ending in a couple different scenarios. Um, first scenario, the best scenario, everyone gets out. All the U.S. citizens, all the Afghans with the SIVs, and the vulnerable Afghans all get out. No, no fighting, the troops get out, everyone out. Next scenario is that we, the United States, are the State Department, the Pentagon, the White House, are under the illusion or assume that they get everybody out. But because of this patchwork rushed, um, understaffed operation from like the State Department side, not everyone's information was gathered and processed and therefore an accurate count of Americans wasn't available. And there are Americans that wanted to get out that couldn't get out. And they're left behind. And now what do we do? Do we go in immediately and try to save them? The administration right now just says that we'll get every American out. Well, how? How are we going to do that? And then let's say at scenario two that they do get out. Okay, great. Scenario one, scenario two, end result, everyone is out. Scenario three, people are left behind. We lose visibility into Afghanistan because there are no troops there. Our intel is gone. Our intel is severely reduced. And then the Taliban goes door to door and finds the American citizens or the Afghans with SIVs, knows that you're an American citizen or that you as an Afghan helped the Americans during the war. And you become a hostage. Well, we used to say we don't negotiate with terrorists, but we've negotiated now. So are we going to negotiate again for the, each individual life? Or are we going to let them die? Whichever scenario plays out, this has been a disaster 100%. You have the government trying to get everyone out. Then you have veterans and other NGOs or and NGOs that are not going to wait on the government to get this done. And they're reaching out to, to their interpreters, to other organizations, and getting people out themselves privately. All hands on deck mentality. The type of mentality that you would expect from our military, but doesn't seem to be there because of the leadership of the military. But I hope everyone gets out. And I hope at the end of it, that Biden and his administration, those in the Pentagon, the State Department, and the White House, have to answer for what happened. Never should we be in this position. We had four months, four months to get everyone out. Four months. And now we have a 24-7 operation going to try to get out probably 100,000 people within about 10 days' time. I hope everyone gets out. That's what I'm praying for. But there needs to be, there needs to be questions asked and people fired. We are seven, eight months into this presidency, and it's been crisis, crises after crises. And this one, as of now, is not resulting in loss of life for American citizens, but has the potential to result in loss of life. This is already a stain on our country, a dark stain, but I pray to God this is not a blood stain. All right, that's it for this episode. Remember to subscribe and engage with me on Instagram at counter underscore thought, on Twitter at counter underscore podcast, 
and on the Counterthought Podcast page on Facebook. Thank you for listening to Counterthought.